Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Lovely to have some Pearl Jam. Great way to kick the show off. Love my Pearl Jam. Heading down to Wellington on Thursday. Actually, you're going down to watch Guns N' Roses, the band that's been with me for a large part of my life. I'm not sure that Axl Rose's voice is quite what it once was, but going to a concert of a band that you sort of first saw back in 1988 at the Big Top here in Auckland. It's, it's a photo album, isn't it? They've been with you through so many aspects and parts of your life that certain songs just take you back to certain times and so thoroughly looking forward to it can't get myself to the Auckland gig because of baseball commitments with the Auckland Tuatara love to have gone to both Anyway, you're listening to SENZ. The telephone number is 0800 150 811. You can text us here on 8833. The big news that's come out today is that New Zealand uh, is to miss out on hosting future Sevens World Series rugby tournaments. This is due to a shortened format as the international body reduces the number of tournaments on its calendar. It means that next month's Hamilton tournament will be the last in New Zealand in the foreseeable future. Now, New Zealand has held sevens tournaments on the World Circuit since 2000. Next month's Hamilton event will be the first since 2020 after COVID. And I guess it's probably left a lot of people here in New Zealand behind the scenes scratching their head. Well, one man who knows all about playing in front of crowds, particularly in Wellington, and is sevens icon DJ Forbes. He joins us on the programme. DJ, good evening. Welcome. How's it going? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, um, how do you feel about this, DJ? The fact that New Zealand will no longer host a sevens tournament is—is is it just it's times up, and there are other countries that perhaps um, might embrace it, perhaps a little bit more than maybe New Zealanders have in recent times? Oh, I think everyone would be pretty disappointed. I mean, uh, I think everyone kind of knew eventually that was sort of the way of the world in terms of it being an Olympic sport and, and trying to reach, I guess, different parts of the globe, but. I think as a pretty proud rugby nation and, you know, the both both the men and the women love playing at home. It's the one opportunity in the World Series to get that chance. So, it's, yeah, it's going to be pretty pretty sad. Yeah, what are your experiences of playing here in New Zealand? And I'd imagine what, playing at Wellington? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, Wellington, to be fair, was, you know, the heyday of sevens uh, for me. And that was probably, you know, one of the one of the events I definitely wanted to be a part of. And uh, I know, you know, a lot of the other countries loved playing at, you know, at Wellington in front of a home. Uh, full pack stadium, so um, you know Hamilton did an awesome job trying to replicate that. Um, but yeah, like you said, you know it's last 
chance at it. You know, hopefully it goes out with a bang, but I guess it's you know signs of what's ahead in terms of yeah, like you said, a shortened format. And I think trying to reach different parts of the the world is what you know. I guess the the, the governing bodies are after. I think. How well do places like Las Vegas and Vancouver do it? Well, I mean, they, they they do it well, and you know, it's a different part of the world, and you know, the, the sport of the sevens in, in particular are growing in those regions. Um, in terms of you know, fans and everything turning out, I would like to think that you know, they're just as passionate as us. So I don't think you know that's kind of um, part of the reason why we're missing out. It's just really you know, the, just the different parts of the globe. But um, you know, getting to play in Las Vegas, you know, in the middle of the desert was was pretty cool, and obviously. Canada is, 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 a, is a bit of a spectacle, so you know, playing on, on that side of the world, it's like New Zealand, are probably a little bit more grand. But um, you know, I, I think, it's, it, well, just regarding you know a venue, I think New Zealand is still mm. one of the best to be involved in. Mm. What about Hong Kong? Does it still have its stature? I mean, before we had it at the Olympics and before we sort of had a Sevens World Cup, it was always the pinnacle. It was Sevens Wimbledon. You know, I, I remember watching it in the 80s and the 1990s. And if you won Hong Kong, you know, it was, it was a great moment in New Zealand sport. Does it still have that? Does it still have that prestige? Yeah, I think it does. I was um, there, you know, a couple of months ago for the start of the World Series, and that was their first kind of hit, um, you know, out of. I guess the the COVID circumstances, so you know, they were doing everything they could to get it back on on track, and definitely you still felt that kind of aura of, of Hong Kong. But you know, saying that in, in a few years, um, you know, they're going to be a meeting venue as well. So I think they may have you know got a, a, a bit of a head start on on where things were going in terms of the World Series. But um, yeah, you know, it still felt like you know the, I guess the World Cup. I mean, having it at the Olympics has been great because now the rest of the country, rest of the world start to take it seriously. More resource gets put into it. It becomes the pinnacle. But because it is now such the pinnacle event, has it perhaps created a problem that too many countries are now building for four years and therefore perhaps the gloss on winning or losing some tournaments is not quite there anymore as long as you get the Olympics right? Um, well, I think there'll definitely be yeah um, uh, a lot of countries that will go down that path, knowing that you know and, and treating it you know genuinely like a like a like a, a track and field athlete and, and and trying to you know to peak you know every every four years. Um, I think for you know those um, typical rugby nations, you'd like to think that you know if there's a World Cup up for grabs, a Com Games, or even a World Series, they'll be putting sort of everything into it. But I know. You know, even obviously in the teams in New Zealand rugby would definitely a lot more strategic about, you know, um, trying to build and, and grow players. So, you know, there's um, people peaking and, and having the right people available, you know, come pinnacle time. Um, but it's definitely, I think, you know, based on, I guess, countries that have different resources and, and different uh, holding the, the gold medal and, and different esteem will play a part. They're talking about a seven series circuit next year with the seventh of those basically deciding who is the overall season winner, who ultimately ends up, let's say, winning that year's World Cup or winning the championship. Do you like that format, that the top eight nations will be invited to that? Um, well, it's, it's hard. I mean, you, you know, you, I guess the way it's going is you sort of want the, you know, the best of the best to be there, but I think it's so competitive now that there's so many other nations knocking on the door and it's sort of it's hard to kind of separate, you know, and I'm sure everyone... They've seen, especially over the, the, the recent years, that it's, it's so it's so close, you know, on, on the circuit. So I think it's going to have, you know, the, the benefits of that. But um, there'll also be some, you know, I guess some nations and, and, and a lot of countries that'll miss out just being, you know, it's, it's going to be so hard to be involved in that, that top eight. Mm.
What have you made of the New Zealand Sevens team this year? Disappointing performance um, in Hong Kong. Uh, picked up a bronze medal, beat the United States over the weekends in Dubai. Can we read too much into that? Because I'd, I'd imagine by the high standards you and your teams have set, uh, New Zealand probably feel a little bit disappointed with those results. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll definitely be disappointed, but uh, there's definitely some, some good signs, and um, I think that kind of shows where Sevens is at. You know, you're on, on one end, you're missing out on a quarter, and then the following weekend, you know, they, they could have that semi-final, that could have easily been a, a final for a, for a gold medal that game. So, you know, I, I think that's just part of the end you know, of of where Sevens is at, um, but I know that you know they'll definitely be disappointed. They'll be wanting, you know, they'll be wanting to get a gold medal before mm. before Christmas for sure. So I'm, I'm hoping that the boys will get up for South Africa. Did the fun police kill Wellington? Did the fun police here kill Sevens in this country when they suddenly said, "Look, forget the party. We'll cut down on the alcohol. This is not acceptable." Where, I mean, that was the biggest, hottest ticket in town. I mean, that's what everybody looked forward to. Uh, yeah, there's always one or two idiots that are going to ruin it for everyone else. But did we need to go to the extreme that we went to? Because the moment they did, Sevens just seemed to disappear in this country. Yeah, well, I think that was probably it. It was, you know, probably um, a little bit too hard and fast for Wellington. And, um, yeah, it kind of turned the taps off really quick. And, um, you know, fans sort of... Uh, decided that that was it for them. Uh, I think, you know, there's part and parcel of, you know, trying to get that balance right with, you know, having zones where the families can come out and the corporates and, and then obviously the, the party goers. But yeah, I think, you know, that the fact that they sort of um, put a, a stamp in the ground um, was probably, I don't think Wellington was ready for that and it turned a lot of spectators off pretty quickly. And what were the funniest costumes you saw over the years when you were sitting there playing? Did you ever sort of just have a little bit of a giggle at how ridiculous some of them were or just how original some of them were? Yeah, I mean, they got pretty outrageous. It was good though, you know, when, when there were, I guess, new, new movies or new superheroes coming out, you know, it'd always be the, the first costume, you know, whatever was hot, you know, that year was typically out. But I think uh, everyone loved the Avocado Man when he came out to play. Uh, Gingerbread Man was always a classic that got a bit of airtime and things like that, but pretty outrageous ones. Um, probably, probably not for everyone to look at, but uh, definitely made it a spectacle for the fans. Yeah, just running through this lineup for next year. So, look, we've got Cape Town, we've got Hamilton, we've got Sydney, Los Angeles, Vancouver, Hong Kong, Singapore, Toulouse, London. Um, do you agree with all of those cities hosting? Do they all provide? Do they all provide um, a real sense of occasion? Is there one city that does it better than the rest? Oh no, I mean, I think over the years that's always been you know something that World Rugby's been working on, making sure that each you know host city could put it on. Um, for both the men and the women. So, you know, all of those stops are awesome venues, awesome, um, you know, cities to, to tour and see as well. So, you know, and I can speak from the experience when I was playing. So they were they're all top-notch. So I think it's going to be hard. I don't know how they're going to go about, you know, choosing their, their final destinations for the, you know, the series going forward. Mm. But um, I'm assuming based on that, they're going to have to be pretty grand, mm. um, you know, to, to be the next thing in line. What's going on with Irish rugby at the moment, boy? They're they're an emerging and starting to do well in sevens as well, as well as the fifteens. Suddenly, Ireland, Ireland well, are everywhere. Been, yeah, <laughs> they've got a good core group of boys that have been playing for, and doing really well. Um, I think they're probably a nation that should have been involved in the series a long time ago. Mm. So I guess still kind of seeing some you know good reward for team that's been together for a little while. What's happened to Kenya? I mean, Kenya, I remember them making the final here. Um, did they even win it in Wellington one year? It might have been even against New Zealand. Uh, yet they've sort of been in the wilderness in recent times. And just when you thought, hey, here we go, Kenya of all countries, just proving that this really should be the global point of view when it comes to rugby because you can get countries like Kenya who can get up to speed very quickly. Yeah, well, I think for them in particular, they you know had a, a core group of 
um, guys that were together for a long time. And like you said, yeah, they did get some good tournament victories. I think they had the underdog underdog tag for a while. They probably um, let them sneak up on a few countries. But I think you know after a few years, because of that tag, um, you know teams stop taking them lightly or stop you know sort of second guessing. And obviously yeah. um, now you know they have to be on top of the game to, to you know to compete. So yeah. they'll still you know a force to be reckoned with, but not, not they weren't sneaking up on anyone um, like they used to. Tactically, has the ch- game evolved much over time? Is there still room for evolution in it in terms of the way the game's played tactically? I mean, from when you first started playing sevens to when your career ended, had there been much in, much of a shift in the way sides played sevens? Yeah, I think uh, you know you could almost say it sort of goes in, in little cycles where you know teams that sort of you know play really direct and confrontational, and then you've got teams that like to you know stay out of contact, and it kind of goes around, and then based on the efforts that come through. You, know, you can imagine guys are over 100 clicks now, and everyone can can fly. It's it's a it's a pretty hard sport to to compete with at, at the best of times. So um, I think it's just a, a nice fit. You got a lot of coaches now that are past players, so they'll be bringing you know old ideas and mixing it with with the new generation. So it's a quite a quite a nice fit. Is there room in the modern game for guys like Carlin Isles, just pure speedsters, or do you need to be also a very good rugby player slash sevens player? I mean, can you just be a speedster and get away with that? As long as you've got, you know, let's be honest, you've still got to be able to catch and pass, but is that enough to allow you to be dynamic in sevens? I think you can, you know, you can still play a, play a role in sevens for sure. I, I guess it's um, the ability to be able to, you know, sort of consistently perform when once teams start figuring out that you're, you're if you're just speed, um, if they find ways to shut you down, then you obviously have to, you know, bring a new aspect to your game. But mm. there's definitely for some countries, you know, who rely solely on, you know, speedsters within, um, if that's what they need to work with, then, you know, it has played its part. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think, like I said, you know, when it comes to consistency and trying to figure out your opponents, you need to sort of add another bow to your game, I think. Now, DJ, I think you're working for the NZOC these days. Um, how did you find the transition from going from basically being a full-time sevens player to suddenly having you get into the real world and into the workforce? Was it an easy transition? Did you did you struggle with it? Um, I would have said it was an easy transition, but um, an enjoyable one. I think I was in a pretty good space where I knew that you know um, sport was going to finish eventually, and I was going to need to knuckle down and sort of grow my you know my capabilities. So now I'm joining enjoying where I'm at at the moment. I've been four years mm-hmm. now with the Mm. Olympic committee, um, and like I said, yeah, I didn't want, and I don't want people to think that I'm just DJ as a footy player. I'm mean, obviously investing a lot of time mm. and uh, knowledge into you know mm. sports in general now. So enjoying yeah. that space. Yeah, look, I'm a man up at Grammar Old Boy. I noticed you this year with a backs coach for Auckland Grammar. How are you enjoying that? <laughs> I want to say backs coach. I'll be, I'm, I'm helping out the Auckland Grammar boys. Um, I think that's just an opportunity for me to sort of get back and give back into that space. You know, like I said, I've been with the Olympic Committee and I think mm. the old heartstrings get pulled every now and then when I'm involved in rugby. So I've been enjoying, you know, being back down on mm. the ground with um, the next generation. Yeah, Carlton Anna got the measure of you this year in the centennial game, but I've got a sneaky <laughs> feeling you might be out back. But I'm sure he probably told you that, didn't he? Yeah, no, he gave me a little a little rub on the back and things like that. But, you know, he's, he's been in there for a little while, so that was only, only my first year. I like to think that I'm a, I'm a rookie. So, yeah, give me a year or two and I should be back. And how's Auckland Grammar going to look next year? Not a bad side, a young side this year. Yeah, well, that's it. Hopefully, um, we've got that core group, you know, a bunch of six formers that'll be coming back and some new talent. And obviously, us as a, a management team, you know, sort of mm-hmm. the second year round will hopefully be a little bit better. But, um, no, exciting. Uh, yeah. Great, great school and some great lads there.
Yeah, what 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 do you think rugby can learn from sevens? Now that sevens, I mean, we've we got to that point now, isn't it, where you sort of get to eighteen, you'll play fifteens, but then you've almost got to become, it's almost become its own sport. Sevens, it's become that specialised. So now that sevens is that specialised, what do you think that someone like you and and what can sevens offer the fifteen man game? I cut off a little bit, but I think yeah, the general just I think for me personally that. Um, I've always said that you know sevens makes you an all-round like you know footy player. So I think when you're talking about if you're you know jumping between the codes, it gives you a great opportunity to learn all the skill sets. You know you can't just be a winger. You know you have to be you know good in the rucks. You have to you know um, be a bit of play, you know, a playmaker. You have to be a, like a locker in the mm. air. So you have to be the full complement. So I think you know that really adds to the whole dynamic of you know footy players. So if you're playing sevens, it's gonna you know I guess grow your whole school set. Whereas in mm. you know, fifteens, you kind of get given your role and you sort of play that role. Yeah, I, I sort of look at it too. I always look at sevens that defensively you've got to be maybe because it's a game that can be a little bit more ad hoc. You've just got to be so much more alert defensively. Yeah, and and I think that comes with you know their whole game awareness. So. Yeah, with the schoolboys, it's the same thing where you're sort of playing into certain maps and people should be in certain areas and things like that. But in seven, no, you're just you're just playing what you see. So it does give you a, a better sense of you know game awareness and, and reading the game as it as it unfolds. Oh, okay, okay, DJ. Look, just finally, do you, do you think we can see the, the round of the World Sevens back on New Zealand shores at some point in the future, or do you think maybe I'll time is done and as you said you know with being the Olympic Games and Sevens probably been a, a, a more simplistic form of rugby if I can use that term and um, taking it to the rest of the world is just going to be the way of the future oh, I'd love to think that it would be back I think everyone knows you know New Zealand's a, a proud rugby nation regardless of whether it's 15s or 7s um, so I'd like to think that it would be back and you know I think New Zealand's usually got a lot to offer and, and being on the side of the world I'm hoping that we will see it in the near future. So, fingers mm. crossed. I'm just going to go and Google the avocado man. <laughs> it might be a flaw then, but yeah, it's like, <laughs> funny looking yeah. No, brilliant. Hey, DJ, lovely to have you on the program. Thank you for taking the time on uh, at, at eight o'clock at night on a Monday. Greatly appreciated. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Thank Good you. Time. One of the greats, former New Zealand Sevens captain, the great DJ Forbes, on the program, giving us his thoughts on. Sevens being taken away from New Zealand after the tournament in Hamilton in January. Doesn't really surprise me, to be honest. I think the rest of the world do it better. I think other countries don't take it for granted. We had a good thing going in Wellington and then the politically correct, moral policed everybody else, or the minority moral policed everybody else and dumb enough to buy into it. And then those same people who didn't like the behaviour, didn't bother turning up and supporting it. It's a bit like the feminists out there that continue to advocate for equal prize money for cricketers and rugby, but don't actually turn up to any of the games themselves. Just jump on some political high horse. Don't think about the long-term consequences of some of their... preaching and here we go we end up with nothing it's what annoys me in this country you know the minority these days is the silent majority it's a country that's just been inundated by identity politics and it's got to stop 
If you don't like the sevens, don't turn up, don't watch it. Okay? That simple. If you don't like a comedian because you think a comedian's offensive, don't watch it, but don't tell other people what they can watch and what they can't watch. You might want to have your say, 0800-150811, love to get your thoughts on this. Are you going to miss it? You agree with me? The fun police ruined it. Bring back Wellington, bring back the costumes, bring back the alcohol, bring back the rugby. Let's just have some fun. Are we allowed to have fun anymore in this country? Are we allowed to have fun anymore? Or are you one of these people that wants religion back in schools, but when you ask them which religion, they say, well, what do you mean? My religion, of course. 20 minutes after 8. 0800 150 811.